to Aligned Mama Podcast. We're your hosts, Samantha Kapsick and Nikki Trout. And we're partnering up because we know motherhood is hard. Like really, really hard. (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) Get ready to equip yourself with practical tips and strategies to tackle daily trials, along with insights from expert guest speakers and relatable stories from other moms just like you. Join us weekly for advice, inspiring stories, and a supportive community of moms navigating the joys and challenges of motherhood together. Welcome back, mamas. We are super excited for this podcast. Um, We actually met this couple through an organizing business uh, job that we had and on Facebook. And actually, when we went to the house to organize it, um, we realized, me and Brittany realized that we had met at Journey Church. um, Or I guess we like figured that out before I got there. But we had actually previously met, but her husband reached out to get the house organized because she's expecting and a mama to be. And that was like so sweet of him. Um, But after we met her, we instantly loved her, just her energy and her fun spirit. Um, And then we just loved her testimony. And so we were like, girl, you got to come do a podcast and bring your husband. (laughs) So (laughs) they are here now. Super honored to be here for real. Would you guys like to start maybe with an intro? So I'm Brittany. I'm 30. My husband, Matt, is 31. We've been together for 15, almost, it'll be 16 years this year. So we've spent over half of our life together. And so our story is really long. (laughs) We have a history. Before we uh, go back to the backstory... Um, Could you maybe shed some light on how life is right now? We have two kids, and like you said, we're expecting our third. All girls. We got. We're gonna have three girls. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Me. Don't they they call it three weddings? Oh man, I hadn't even thought about that until now. Gosh. I. I'm just nervous for like the teen years, like all of them. Oh, it's gonna be. Fun. Well, you feel any better? Boy, teens are not not easy. much better. Teens in general, it's yeah. it's fun. All right. Um, so we're really here to talk about the backstory and your testimony. So would you like to go ahead and tee that off? So we were like 16 I was 16 and he was 17 and that's kind of like we it's so weird how our stories like are so individual but like they come together Mm -hmm. so whenever Matthew was 16 he was diagnosed with cancer and went through he had ALL so he went through a lot. He went through treatments for months, was in the hospital for months and was getting like monthly spinal taps for his infusions and stuff like that. So do you know him then? Sorry if I missed that. Yeah. You were dating already? Yeah. We had been together. What? Like probably less than a year. So I'm a backup real quick. Um, <laughs> so before all this, um, we had initially met when I was 15 and she was 14. And the neighborhood we lived in, um, she had moved first. And then we had moved. 
And then about a year later, I had moved. I was already living in this area where we live at now, actually. And then she moved. And I just so happened to see her one day. And, yeah, we just started talking again. So, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely diagnosed with leukemia. And um, so that was very... Um, Scary and, you know, um, nerve-wracking. I cannot imagine. Yeah. Especially at that age with the hormones and just life in general. Were you able to go to school during that time? So, not really. No. Um, so, what would happen is I was in alternative school and I had been going to New Horizons. And so, um, they would get my homework. I would go. I would get my homework. But I was also only going for a couple hours a day. So it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you're not really here anyway. So I wound up just staying home and doing all my my work from home. So I guess can we back up even a little bit further? Um, If you're willing or open to share, did you guys have good childhoods, like good close families? We had very, very different childhoods. Um I grew up with both my parents. They were divorced, but I did have both my parents active in my life. And me and my dad, he has and probably always will be my best friend. I'm definitely a daddy's so girl. Sweet, he I is. Him. He I. You should hear him talk about my girls. Though they are not only am I so blessed to have the relationship that I do with him and my mom too. We've had a rocky relationship. Um, we had a rocky relationship most of you know, my early teen years into, you know, into my drug addiction, even, you know, she was, but that, that was what really changed our relationship was my addiction. You know, she was the one that always ended up showing up for me and supporting me without enabling me, which, you know, can be hard, but so I grew up, we grew up good. I grew, I grew up good and had, you know, nothing, nothing traumatic happened in, in my life whenever I was growing up or anything. Um, Matthew could not say the same. He, go for it. (laughs) Um, so I grew up, uh, like she said, the complete opposite. Um, my mom was a single mother. Um, she raised me and my brothers. I have two brothers and a sister. Um, we moved out here when I was nine years old. They were eight, whatever. Um, and we've been in Lincoln County ever since. Um, so, um, when I was seven, my brothers were six at the time. So my sister is seven years older than us. So she was gone. She was doing her own thing. Um, she was staying with our grandma. Um, at the time my mom was married to a guy, um, and they, she, you know, later on found out that at this time she was in the midst of her own addiction, but, um, he had sexually assaulted me and my brothers. Oh my gosh. So, um, carried that for a few years and until we actually moved out here and, you know, things just kind of 
came to a head. Um, I never found out what happened to him. Um, I spoke up. My brothers, you know, they they spoke up as well. So it was like, okay, now they have this information. Now we got to do something about it. So, but I I never found out, and I honestly am not looking for that answer. Yeah, right. You know, God love you. I don't um, want any child to go through anything like that. It just never happen. Yeah, I mean, so like when it happens, like you know, you see it, you see it on movies and TV shows where the child re- legitimately thinks that it's their fault mm-hmm. that it happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up in a, on my mom's side, you know, grew up in a church fearing, God fearing family. Like my grandma or my great grandma and grandparent, grandpa, they both um, started a church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's still running to this day. Wow. So it's like, you know, you got to give that glory to God. Right. Um my biological father, um, he attempted to murder my mother when I was four, five months old. So uh, <laughs> I didn't know my dad growing up, but, you know, my grandma was the prime example of God's love because she went and seen him. She would take me to go see him. You know. Prayers are probably what got you through to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. You know, your Absolutely, yeah. Oh, we got a praying family like no other, man. Yeah. I don't think, like, Matt's dad came around whenever we had just gotten together. So he was honestly, like, more close to my dad growing up. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad would always take me down to the hospital to see him and, like, got really close with him and stuff like that. So um, I think that... I can speak for both of us whenever I say that my dad has always been more of a fatherly figure and an influence in in his life for sure. When you think, oh, nobody's allowed to date my daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they were besties for sure. I I can remember like just we would just always hang out together because I lived with my dad at the time. I had moved out of my house because uh, I lived with my mom growing up, and I moved out about. 13 or 14 I think like 13 so it was like right after I moved in with my dad that I had met him because me me and my mom's relationship had just completely come to a head and I was starting to have problems with depression and like I was cutting myself I ended up going into the psych ward for about a week or so whenever I was that age so I think it was just more of an influential thing like people around me were doing it so it it became something that I did yeah so it and that definitely changed a lot of things for me so that's whenever my depression really started and everything and later on in life I recognized like from a young age you know 12 13 whenever I started doing this that in my mind as you know my mind's you know at that age your mind is forming and everything it became a habit unrealized to me it became a habit me not being comfortable I I was never comfortable in the situation I would never I was always so closed off and introverted I was I was never comfortable so I never opened up and and allowed a relationship to begin or I was really shut off from it because I've always felt forced and I'm one of those ones where you can't if you tell me that I have to do it now I don't want to do it (laughs) so 
Walk us through like where your addiction started. Was it the depression? Is that what you feel like led you down that road? The depression, it absolutely did not help. It definitely gave me a false sense of who I was mm-hmm. and who I was meant to be, you know? Because it, it, it brought me down. It made me feel so unworthy of... I, I never felt worthy of, of anything, really. And whenever I... So I was 17. I was in a ATV accident. I broke my back. All of my ribs shattered my spleen, punctured a lung. I had to get 13 staples in my head. Like, I was a mess. I was in the hospital for, I think, a couple months. Um, I wasn't able to finish out my senior year. I just kind of skated through my senior year because I had a teacher that was really looking out for me and making sure that I got all my papers done that were necessary, all the extra really just helped you get through. Yeah. And you two were still together at that time. Off and on. Okay. Um so we had definitely a toxic relationship throughout our uh teen years mostly because you know we were, we were young, yeah. you know, not not trying to yeah. It was hard. And then Matthew's addiction to pain medicine started about that time because he had was getting spinal taps monthly and so he had a monthly script and ended up getting addicted through that and I end that was like a year or two probably like two years later after he had started his cancer diagnosis and treatment that I had gotten into my accident and that's where my pain addiction began awareness about that do you think had you not gone through do you think anything is related to your childhood Matt or do you think had you not gone through the cancer and all of that medical stuff that you would have fallen prey to it I legitimately don't think I would have but I mean again with knowing what I know about my mom's past it's predisposition to deal with that so then susceptible to an addiction right and so genetically speaking her offspring will be that way you know and i don't think she understood the gravity of you know having that foul in the bloodline Mm -hmm. you know now she understands it you know we talk about it all the time but now it's i mean but then while i was going through it it was like like she was helpful in maintaining that addiction Mm -hmm. you know I wouldn't say that she enabled, but it was like, you know. <clears throat> is it easy for you not to be aware of it if you think it is just, or is it, is it like you, is it obvious? I guess having not gone through it myself, is it obvious that you were abusing it in a bad way after the cancer treatment or is there, is it a little more gray? No, it's obvious. It it's okay. definitely, okay. there was, there was one point where, um, because of the spinal taps and because of, all the other stuff i was getting prescribed 90 pills and they were gone in three days yeah yeah you know and so like i've always been the even growing up i was always the type to go big or go home you know and you know it's just like how much higher can i get you know so like Brittany was saying at the point of her accident i was at what some people would call a rock bottom but 
again, I don't know how to deal with any of this stuff. Like, it's not reaching me to get help. So I'm just, you know, she gets out of the hospital. I'm taking care of her. I'm going to see her, whatever. All for her pills. So I'm like, okay, like, this is easy. Like, I can use her. You know, I can get what I want from her and she can get this love, you know, put it in parentheses or quote quotations because, you know, what I was giving her was just temporary satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you help me. I help you, you know. So um, for the next few years, yeah, we just spiraled out of control. Um, We wound up getting our own apartment. Um, Yeah. So you were like functioning addicts then because obviously you're working to get the apartment. I had started working as a med tech in a facility for schizophrenics and which was probably not the best (laughs) line of work for me because I was taking advantage of the pills that were there and easily available to me. Um, I ended up losing that job, but this is, that's further on down the line. So I wanted to take it back just like one second because we, even though like the individual things that happened to us that led us to start using pain pills, I feel like before that we weren't necessarily on the greatest path to begin with. He was like drinking and going to parties and stuff. There was underage drinking involved in our lives and um, we were smoking marijuana already. And like I started smoking marijuana when, at 15, I think he what were you like 13? So we, the drugs were still, still there. Sure. They weren't the harder drugs, but they were still there. And the, we weren't going down the best path either. I skipped school. He got kicked out of school. He was in an alternative school. So we just kind of naturally drifted towards it's I know for myself, I kind of just like more naturally drifted towards the crazier side of of teen years for sure. And going out with my friends and doing stupid things and stuff like that. So we had been struggling for a few years. We get this apartment, our first apartment together. And I don't know, we probably lived there for five, six months decent and and was stable and was doing what we were supposed to do and he has still I had kind of backed off um from the pain pills a little bit like I wasn't crazy addicted to them at that time were you just becoming more aware and trying to get free from them I think I was just more into smoking and drinking because we we had um some friends that we his cousin that we was hanging out with all the time every weekend as much as we could Mm -hmm. and drinking and smoking was something that we commonly did together so that was kind of like my main focus or whatever whenever we were in the beginning and um to me it seems so silly but I still never really seen or felt the thought of us being addicted to drugs never crossed my mind like I'm not addicted I always felt like I had control over it even later on throughout my addiction I always thought it wasn't till the end that it was finally like I don't have control over this obviously like it took me a few tries and I I see that with drinking right there nobody wants to admit they have a drinking problem I guess it does extend that way it does admit it were people trying to help you along the way I don't think that we had anybody that really even knew that we were most definitely um yeah he he had problems sometimes keeping a job but like for the most part he was always 
one of I was always working, I was always functioning and it wasn't later on down the until we started becoming like real heavy in the drugs, the heroin and meth. That's whenever we started losing control and spiraling down. So he was like, I don't know how old we were at this point. We had lived in our apartment for about six months or so. And within that time, he got introduced to meth and it clung to him like no other. That was his weakness. That was his drug of choice. And that was his downfall. And we ended up separating. Things got really bad. I got more into the pain pills and he was still coming around like every once in a while. Um, We never, even if we would break up throughout our 15 years, 16 years, even if we would break up, we were still constantly talking, um, hanging out and doing stuff that we probably shouldn't have been doing anyways. So meth sort of became kind of just like a weekend type drug for me. Um, I never really... It wasn't until later on in my addiction that I was like, okay, it, it, it's a problem for me. I felt always, it, it wasn't, I was more of a downer girl. That's why I liked the pain pills and smoking weed and, and drinking alcohol. Meth is obviously an upper and, you know, you don't eat, you stay up for days. I'm a, I like to sleep, <laughs> you know, I, I like my sleep. So that, it never really took hold of me like it did him. So he's getting bad. Um, we're not consistently hanging out. He's actually ends up having another girlfriend. I found some friends that ended up introducing me to a harder side of like the marijuana world. Like he was big time selling. I had met him at a club. He was big time selling, uh, marijuana and I kind of just kind of fell under his lead. And I was so naive because I, I never had no problems growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. I was so naive to that world, that lifestyle, um, very sheltered. So I knew him for a, a couple months, definitely not long enough to trust him. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into a situation with him where I took some responsibility of the drugs that he had and I was supposed to be delivering them to somebody else. And when I did that, he pulled out a gun and he robbed me and took everything that I had um, and he ended up raping me. And that was just like scarring, jarring, traumatic. I hadn't, you know, like I said, I was sheltered, so I never really... It's like a whole nother world. It is. Yeah, it, right. it becomes... It becomes crazy, you know, and completely violated. I I can't imagine. It was like months after that. I had like I remember I would Did wake up screaming. I was so scared, yeah. you know. I was I was very traumatized by the situation. I was selling, you know. I had a large amount of marijuana on me at the time, and I was so scared that I was going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't have. I just didn't have it in me to, to be, I was too scared. I was too scared to say anything. It's almost like those men, that's kind of their tactic. They prey on women that they know they're in a happy For sure. And so like the chances of you going to the cops, like, yeah, probably not going to happen. So they get away with it and it's just so messed up. I think of in a way lesser area, but, but not having miscarriages. Like before I had one, I was like, oh, that would be hard, but it's, you know, it's not even really there. Yeah. Oh, it's traumatic. So, but in a way different way, I just, so anyways, my heart goes out for you. And I, while I can empathize, I can't even imagine. And like you said, what the aftermath was, what after that? Yeah, I really, honestly, it wasn't something that I ever fully 
dealt with or got healing from until after I had already stopped doing drugs. Mm -hmm. Because, so this, that happened in late October. And by November, I was on heroin. So. Do you think that pushed you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, so me and him, again, me and Matthew, we were not together at the time. We were 22. I was 22 and he was 23 when that happened. So, you know, we, we've had from 14 all the way up until 22. So when that happened, even though we weren't together, we weren't even for real on speaking terms at that time. I called him and he dropped everything, came running, left the girl that he was with and, um, pretty much hasn't left my side since then. Um, happy you guys are sharing this story. Yeah, it was, there is. So, so even though like as sweet as that is that he did come running to my side, it really became, I have so much codependency and toxic or what here with the pain pills. And Matthew was again, heavy into meth. He got introduced to heroin and then introduced me to it. And I was under the impression that it was not heroin, that it was just a crushed up pain pill. So I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I, I had been fairly like up until that point, I was like, I don't want to do the hard drugs. I don't really want to do the hard drugs. Like pills is one thing, but I don't want to get into the hard drugs. Absolutely. Right. So I guess I was still a little bit in denial that I would get addicted to the harder drugs like I did, but I really lost all care after the incident with that guy. And I did, I said, I literally stopped caring about myself and my self-worth completely plummeted. And it goes back to whenever I was cutting, you know, I found an outlet to not feel my emotions. And it wasn't long after that I had started using the heroin that I actually figured out what it was. And we ended up getting kicked out of our apartment. He had moved back in with me after after all of that happened. We got kicked out of our apartment, literally moved overnight. You know, we were getting real heavier into the drugs and doing meth more, doing heroin more. And that second apartment that we was in, man, that was really, really dark and scary. We had people in and out all the time started robbing people and things like that like we would have people come to our apartment and set them up and stuff like that and just all bad illegal scary stuff going to the city all the time meeting all these bad people getting drugs and we really lost it so we moved in in that apartment in March like the beginning of March now backing it up again I just started using heroin in November and meth here and there, you know, but hair, the the heroin really took hold of me hard. And like, that was my downfall. That one was my downfall. So do you uh, get more addicted, like a craving toward it? Or you just feel so good when you're on it? I don't, um, the highs are very, very, very different with meth and with heroin. Um, heroin, it's just kind of, it's a euphoric nod. You know, you just kind of nod out. You don't feel anything. You know, you feel, your body feels euphoric and then you mentally just kind of check out. Um, with meth, you know, it's, uh, also a euphoric feeling, but it's, uh, like injecting Red Bull into your veins basically. And, you know, you get 
elevated heart rate, sweat and all that stuff, you know, and you get amped up and then you don't sleep, you know, for a long time. So, and like the physical differences between meth and heroin, as far as using and, um, coming down or detoxing are very different. I can't, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but from our experiences, the heroin detox is so much physically harder because you, you, it's like a pain, you know, a pain thing. And then you start, everything hurts and up for stomach issues because you don't eat for a few days and then you try to start eating again. And you just have a lot of stomach, I had a lot of stomach issues and stuff. You lose a lot of weight and everything. So, so March, we're in our second apartment. Uh, we had up until that point, I, I personally had never had any run-ins with the law, never gotten in any trouble. He had a few, um, he had a domestic disturbance against him throughout our relationship. He had, um, tampering with the motor vehicle and trying to get into somebody's car one night while he was high. So by June, just a few months later, we had ended up robbing my mom's house. So she was out of town one weekend. I knew that her and my stepdad were going to be out of town on vacation. And still at this time, you know, my, my parents knew that I, I was maybe depressed. They knew that me and him had broken up and they thought I was just kind of going through a heartbreak. You know, they didn't, I didn't see them a lot. I was out with friends a lot, you know, stuff like that. So they didn't really know what was going on. They knew something was up with me, obviously, but they just kind of uh, chalked it up to me and his relationship ending and it being so messy when it did end at that time. Didn't know about the rape, nothing. I'm working, and so actually the the facility that I worked for as a med tech, it was my mom's facility. She was the administrator of that facility, and which really (laughs) saved me quite a few times because... Um, I definitely put her in a bad position. So I knew that they were going to be gone this weekend. I said, um, I sent him and another one of our quote unquote friends over to my mom's house to take some things for us to use for some drug money. It ended up becoming a whole, like they had gotten high on meth right before they went over there. So it became crime of opportunity. They ended up stealing a lot of tools and electronics, her car. So it became way bigger than, you know, than I, than I, it very much so. Yeah. So he comes back, we're fighting. I, we end up taking the car back, whatever. A couple days later, we end up getting arrested. This is my first time getting arrested. Who knows with him at this point, (laughs) but we went to jail and were charged with, I, I had been picked up by the police whenever I had my heroin kit on me. So like I, I we were injecting it at that time. Um, so I had needles and a spoon and all, all the stuff for the setup for me. And I ended up being charged felony, just, or felony drug possession um, of heroin, robbery, burglary, stealing and same with him except for he didn't get no drug charges because there he didn't have anything on his person whenever he was picked up so I'm in jail for a couple weeks I call my mom from jail and I was like okay 
I've been addicted to heroin for the last seven, eight months, and I need help. I'm lost. I was so scared. Like, even though I've been arrested multiple times and been to jail multiple times, I will never be a jail girl. Like, that is not the place for me. I am not. No, it's not the place for me. It's co-ed or was it just women? Just women in the pod that we were in. Um, But we were in, not to talk smack about any municipalities around here, but um, (laughs) Lincoln County was rough. We... We had went in there at a time where people knew who we were. Like the other people that were in the jail, the inmates that were in the jail knew who we were. And we weren't liked at that time at all. So like I ended up... Bonnie and Clyde a little bit? For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So call my mom. I'm like, Mama, I need some help. And immediately she was, you know, there for me. She came up to my court hearing and wrote a letter to the judge explaining like, hey, I know my daughter's been struggling. This is not her. There is like there are two different Britneys at this point, And this is not the Britney that I know. So he ended up the judge ended up releasing me into her custody for her to take me to a rehab facility down in Farmington that she had gotten set up for me fairly quickly. So like within a few days of me telling her, hey, I got a drug problem, I need help, she was right there to help me. Even though two a week or two prior, I had set her house up to be robbed, you know, and that's a big part, that part of my life plays a big part in her life because even though she was consistently going to church, she never really had the best, like deepest relationship with God. But me going through that really pushed her to become more of a God-fearing woman and pray more. And because she, at one point she was like, I I throw my hands up. Like my daughter is God's, is in God's hands now. There's nothing that I can do. There's no more that I can do to help her. He is in, she is in his hands. So I go to rehab, spend my month there. And I come out so with my head just thinking, I got this. I, this was just a, you know, a little trip in the, in the way here. I always seemed to have like a false sense of, I got this for sure. At at most of the time I was, it wasn't until my last rehab and I went to three. It wasn't until my last one that I was like, I got, I can't, you know? Matthew, where were you during this rehab? Were you still in jail or... So, yeah, like she said, um, we had both gotten arrested. Um, at this point, her family's done with me. So now, like, I'm going through my own thing in jail. Mm-hmm. Now, she's my she's been my person going through jail. All the numerous trips that I went to jail. She's my person, and she couldn't be that. So, like, that was, I mean, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm on my own. So um, I wound up getting out. Um, a couple months later, August, and, you know, by that point, she was out. I can't remember how we got back together. Of course she does. She's like, hey, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so we just wound up linking back up and, you know, we kept doing our thing. Nothing stopped, but nothing changed but the day of the week, you know. I had had about probably 60 days or so clean at that time. And I remember 
I, you know, my parents helped me out. They got me a car and everything. They were really invested in my sobriety and in, in helping me get better. The day I picked him up, we weren't, I can still remember it so clearly. We were driving to Frenchman's Bluff. And so from Lincoln County Jail to Frenchman's Bluff, within that time frame, there was this awkward silence. And I'm like, so are we going to go get high? Or, you know, like that was... That was what we did, you know, and that was such a a normal thing for us. That was a, that was our life. So he was definitely influential on me at times, but I was definitely influential and pushy on him as well. Because um, again, ever since the rape, he became such a toxic codependent person for me that I only felt safe doing those types of things with him. And so if we wouldn't have never linked up, who knows? I may have never relapsed, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. And I don't think I, I want to know either because look at where we are now. Right. Yeah. So this was in August. I, we, we relapsed on, on heroin. That was, that was what I was doing again. In Sept- the beginning of September, um, I had gotten kicked out of my dad's house and started staying in my car for a couple days. I ended up, I was in a church parking lot right across from his mom's house where he was staying and I overdosed. He was there with me and everything. He was in the car. All I remember is, you know, snorting this line and then going to grab a cigarette and that was it. It was, it was darkness and this isn't something that I recognized until later on in life, but like in that it wasn't just like dark. It was like an engulfing blackness that came over me. You know, I'm, I was gone for like seven minutes and within those seven minutes, I just felt like I was engulfed in blackness and I could hear screaming whether, whether it was him screaming and I could hear it, the paramedic screaming, his mom screaming and I could hear it, I don't know. Do you remember screaming? No. Was anyone screaming? Um, so when she came to, I, of course, I started doing CPR, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm probably doing more damage than good, but. Um, called 911, paramedics arrived, uh, law enforcement arrived too. Um, and so, and then my mom comes to see what all the commotion's about. And she sees me, she sees her on the ground and she comes over and is screaming mm-hmm. for her to wake up. So they take her to the hospital and, you know, they, they get her to come back. Um, they take her to the hospital and that same night. We, I picked her up from the hospital and we went back to get high. Wow. Literally went to the same back, back to the same people that we had just bought that same heroin from. So I was going to use the exact same stuff that I had just got done overdosing on. Yeah, both of you didn't like red flag or anything. No. So what you're saying when when you blacked out, you don't know if you're crossing over into. So that's what I. It sounds kind of crazy, but that's one of the things that I that came to my mind afterwards. Like, maybe I wasn't hearing the real world. Maybe that engulfing blackness was like, 
on my way to hell. And the screams that I'm hearing is all the screams from hell, coming from hell. And that being, a, you know, later on, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are signs in life, you know, from God, but you just don't see them. You really don't see them. And essentially, did you die and they brought you back? Yes. Like essentially, I was gone for two, for seven minutes and I had to have two doses of Narcan to come back. And uh, yeah, as soon as we left the hospital, I went, we went to the motel and got high and I laid on the motel floor and just like in so much pain from my ribs. Um, so my mom had actually knew one of the paramedics that was, uh, that did the call. And I think maybe the next day, no. So his mom knew about it. So if, if his mom knew about it, my mom knew about it, (laughs) but she definitely, they didn't have a good relationship, but my, but I'm sure she reached out to my mom and told her what happened. Um, again, I had gotten kicked out of my dad's house. So when that happened, I had been staying in my car for a, a couple of nights. So he, his mom kicked him out when that happened. It's like, you can't have that. I can't have that around my house. And that's whenever it really got bad. Um, we were living on my car. We were going down to St. Louis and St. Charles. We didn't, uh, neither one of us had a job. You know, after after jail, I had lost my job, and then I, I started working at this little job, but I ended up getting, I stopped working. Mm-hmm. We were homeless in on the streets, and it was a wonder how we did it. We were just living from high to high for, I'd say, like two months, a month and a half or so. Um, it got rough. Yeah. I ended up getting my car stolen from me. Um, and that was- so yeah, that was the day I made her call her mom and her mom came and picked me and her up from St. Louis. She went to her second rehab mm-hmm. and then I went to jail. I went back to jail on because I had warrants out and all this other stuff. And so I don't get out of jail until March of the following year. So from November to March of the following year, I was in in jail, just waiting to see what was going to happen. I wound up getting put on probation. When you're on in jail, do you reflect on I'm not going to do that when I get out? Like, I, what thought process that goes on? Um, it's different for everybody. Um, for me personally, it was just like I got to figure out how to, you know, get this done. You, you know, get out so I can not get caught again. Yeah, like. Part of me was like, maybe I can do this. The other part is like, nah, I'm probably not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Pro- I'm probably not done yet. So, um, so I get out um, on probation, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at first, and then you know the drugs start coming back in, mm-hmm. and I wind up, you know, um, getting my. Uh, probation revoked they revoked my probation um because i had just been messing up so much um they sent the probation officer had actually sent me up to hannibal to do a 30-day program and i failed that one so this is about march april she's doing good like she's 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 doing good at this point like she's got a job now she's you know she's 
doing what she needs to do. So I come back around and uh, one day I had needed to borrow her car. So we wound up linking up together. And, you know, as soon as she, you know, we start coming back around each other, she starts using again and I'm using already. So um, she's working at a place in Winsville. So I wound up going to work with her because I'm still homeless. She's not. She, her dad let her move back in with her. Yeah, so um, I'm staying in her car while she's at work. Well, one day I'm taking her to work and I run into, we stopped at the QT off of Wentzville Parkway so she can go and do her thing. And I wound up running into somebody that I had owed money to. I'm like, conversation happened. They wanted their money. And I'm like, okay, here's your money. Follow me and I'll go take you to where your money's at. So I take her to work. I dropped her off and I take her car and I'm like, like trying to get away from these people. I'm driving down, you know, 61, probably 80, 90 miles an hour. Hey mamas. Thank you so very much for listening in. We decided to pause the podcast here and save the best part until the next podcast. We'll see you next time, mamas. Thanks for listening to another Align Mama podcast. We hope you found value in today's topic. For more mama resources, go to alignedmamas.com, follow us on social, and join our Aligned Mamas community Facebook group to connect with other moms just like you. We'd like to hear from you. Have a podcast topic? Want to get in touch with us? Want to share your story as a guest? Email us at alignedmamas at gmail.com. See you next time. I can see my feelings now. I can see Mind. And the secret is to shut my eyes, to shut my eyes.